Welcome, everybody, to Dad's Review a Thing. Threat. Threat. I'm a dad. I, I am, too. Dad, it's Chris and Kyle, whom you all love and know from Media Sandwich. Yeah, yeah, and and from Drat now. Thank you to everybody who uh, who jumped in on the first episode and is uh, presumably here for the second. Yeah, uh, this is going to be a totally different uh, type of episode because the first one we reviewed a PC game. We reviewed Unavowed, and this one we instead are reviewing BoJack Horseman season five. Because it came out, and we're both big fans, and yeah, and, and we were so- anxious to talk about it with each other. Yeah, and it's also, we're being pretty darn topical. I mean, this will get out, you know, less than a week after it has, it has dropped. And yep. people are going to be marathoning it very quickly, because it's only 12 episodes. It's not too crazy of investment. You know, half an hour episodes at that. Yeah, we, we went through it in the better part of, like, a day. I ripped through it in probably two two days, probably three sittings total, more or less. And it was definitely, um, I mean, it wasn't that hard to do because I, you know, again, it's only 12 episodes and half an hour. So, I mean, that's, what, six hours altogether. That's not too bad for, like, a streaming show. It's not as crazy. I've heard some people have done, like, you know, even, like, Game of Thrones, people have marathoned all 10 episodes of a season, and it'll be, oh, that's a 10-hour, 12-hour day, depending on how long, you know, which season. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could ever do that. I the, the thing about BoJack that was great was I got it out of the way because I was doing errands most of the day, so and, and I also take public transit, so I'm on the bus, I'm watching BoJack. I'm waiting in line, watching BoJack. I'm washing dishes, I'm finishing up BoJack. I and think it, it made the day go fast, I'll tell you that. I think it, I think the way we should break this up, since this is going to be a little different review from the first one, because we're still seeing how styles will work. So if we only have a couple, like an hour or so to play a game, we'll give you our impressions. This one, since we saw the entire season, we're going to go into this assuming you know the first four seasons, um, and we are going to talk spoilers. Oh yeah, yeah. spoilers abound in this, so... Yes, we will talk spoilers after we give our generic thoughts on overall, and then we'll talk more in depth with spoilers, so that if you have not yet seen it and you want to, uh, we won't ruin it for you right out at the gate. Yeah, we'll give you so. we'll give you the we'll give you the high sign to press pause, go watch six hours of BoJack, and then come <laughs> back to this podcast. Exactly. Uh, or you know, it's kind of hard to say how how people do that because I every time I'm watching a YouTube video and someone's like, if you haven't seen the thing, you want to see it. I'm like, I do, but I'm already here. I'm yeah. gonna see this. Sometimes I watch it and I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna watch the thing, and then eventually I do watch it, but I forgot what the what the YouTube video was, anyways. I'm like, oh, good, surprise me again. Oh, yeah, sometimes sometimes I can deal with a spoiler because I'll end up forgetting it by the time I actually watch the thing or read the thing or listen to the thing. Yep. So still for this, we're gonna be kind. We won't talk spoilers yet. So first, basic impressions. Kyle, what did you think of this season? Um, they're leaning harder into the the drama aspects of the show. This show is very firmly a dramedy now, rather than a comedy, and that's cool because that's it's it's something that we don't see very often in an animated show, particularly one that's populated by anthropomorphic animals. Yep. 
So there's that. That's so that's always kind of been a unique thing about BoJack. But this season gets so like I mean we've had dark moments in the show pretty much all the way through the run of the show, but this yeah. season is where this is. I mean, kind of appropriate to say it, but it's kind of rock bottom. Yeah, and I overall like the season because I love the show. Uh, I I love the characters. I love that they're so comfortable with the characters that they're even starting to play with them and concepts in the show. I did not like this season as much as season four for reasons I'll get into with spoilers. I, I agree. Yeah. Well, season four. Season four has a little bit more of a unified theme going from beginning to end, whereas this season, it brings it around in the last maybe three or so episodes what the point of the season is, what the theme or the the thesis of it is. It does tread water a little bit in the first few episodes because there's been a time gap, and they, they play around for the first couple of episodes of the season with time jumps and non-linear episodes to kind of tease you into what has changed since since last year. And I think, like, in comparison to season four, and I feel it's fair to compare season to season, That's especially the show, so, so this close. Season four, I had multiple episodes that I burst out into tears at the end. Yes, me too. Uh, this season, I did not have any episodes that I burst out of tears. I didn't have any episodes that even um, made me start to tear up. I had moments where I did stop and go, wow. But nothing hit me like season four's episodes. Um, season four with, you know, some highlights. Season four for me, I mean, the highlight of the whole show so far has been Princess Carolyn's um her bad day episode from season four. That one, I burst into tears at the end. Oh, the the one with uh, her her ancestor. Yes, uh, her her like great her grand- descendant rather. Yeah, her descendant telling the story in the future about the bad day that Princess Carolyn had, and the punchline at the end of that episode, which I won't spoil if you haven't seen it. But that one made me burst into tears, um, just because like it hit me so unexpectedly. And it was so subtly done. And there weren't any episodes that quite hit that subtle point this time. But that's not to say the episodes weren't very good. A lot of the episodes are very, very strong. I think a lot of the characters are acting very naturally. And, like, again... They're very, very human characters, which is kind of funny to say about this show. All of the characters feel very fleshed out and very well-rounded. I don't feel that any character is perfect, which is the point. No one is supposed to be perfect. Uh, the characters are all flawed in unique ways. Those flaws play very interestingly against one another, but very believably against one another. Um, and I really like that. And I think there were some episodes that were... They really tried some unique stuff here. There's... Another episode that we'll get into with spoilers that was, I mean, I'll I'll say that my favorite episode of the season was the eulogy episode. Free Churro. Free Churro. And uh, that was a phenomenal episode. We'll get into more reasons for that once we get to spoilers. But that episode really was very profoundly done. And for a lot of reasons, it was very bold. And just like I'm fascinatable from a filmmaking writing perspective and from a just fan of the show, I was just watching that whole episode in awe when I realized what they were doing. And it was 
astonishing to me. It's like, whoa, man, and like the the chutzpah to pull off an episode like that. But the ability for a show like that's on Netflix to do it made more sense. Um, but again, overall, this this season, I'm gonna give this season on a scale of just F to A pluses because that's how things work, right? Sure. Let's sure. let's use that. This season's a pretty solid A minus for me. Very strong still. I'm st- I still loved it. It had a few moments that misstepped and some things I'll talk about, but it's still it's still a masterclass. Yeah, I, I would I would pretty much agree with that. I actually did have a few emotional moments. Like, you know, I didn't burst into tears or anything, but I had a couple of moments that hit me pretty hard in the gut. Uh, a couple that were surprising and a couple that I kind of saw coming, mm-hmm. and that kind of made it hit me harder. Yeah. But my, my big thing about this is that we've got side characters that I've really, really enjoyed are kind mm-hmm. of becoming... If, if they're not getting uh, more depth, then they're definitely getting more to do. Yeah. Chiefly, I I was glad that we did get to see some more of Hollyhock. Uh, yes. Because, oh, because yes. you know, she's, she's a major point of season four that I think was a great addition. Mm-hmm. Because it gives, it gives Bojack a younger version of himself to kind of reflect on to kind of look look at and say oh no i i i have to do better with the way i the way i deal with her in order to prevent her from becoming like me mm-hmm. and most of that was you know again if you haven't seen it but we're, we're assuming that everybody's seen seasons one through four yeah. uh you know season four is all about how hollyhock is supposed to be his long-lost daughter and as it turns out, she isn't, but that, that doesn't matter. She still kind of got him to face things that he never would have faced otherwise and reflect on himself more than he ever had before. Yeah. And so I really love that character, and I love how how honest she is. And this is a real coup to the animators. Uh, when Hollyhock reacts to something just with, like, a, a facial expression... You feel it so hard. Like, she, and, and it's probably because they're, you know, they're portraying her as she's a, she's a teenage girl, so she has very, very big feelings. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she feels, when she feels hurt, you can see it. Yeah. And it's animation, so that's very deliberate, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that character because she seems so human to me. Yeah, and it, it was good to see her back for a little bit, and I'm glad that her and BoJack are still, you know, still communicating with each other, even if it is kind of one-sided at times. Yeah, they're still on relatively good terms. He hasn't burned any bridges there, which is nice because that's the first fear is that they're going to undo all the nice things that happened at the end of season four, and season four ends on kind of the weirdest moment because it ends with Bojack smiling and it's like it ends for the first time the show has really had with a pure upswing. It's like, whoa, we're we're on the up right now, which made me terrified for this season because I realized when we're doing this, this, I mean, it's the roller coaster of depression that the whole show is trying to emulate. If we're going to end last season on an up, we're going to end this season on a big old down. Well, I mean, that that depends on how you look at the end of the season, which, uh, again, we'll get into. Uh, yeah. But 
I mean, should we just should we just dive into spoilers? So now, yeah, officially, like, and what uh, did you have the ep- an episode that you said was your favorite this season? I would say that Free Churro uh, is is my favorite of the season. Although I do want to give a lot of props to uh, I've got the list here in front of me so that I don't forget any of them. Uh, I was I was also a pretty big fan of uh, Mr. Peanut Butter's Booze, which is the the Halloween episode that kind of yes. time jumps between Mr. Peanut Butter's marriages and his current relationship mm-hmm. to kind of illustrate why none of his marriages seem to work out. And he's you know Mr. Peanut Butter is a great character that has evolved so much from the kind of just one note, you know, wacky neighbor kind of character that he was supposed to be lampooning. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the whole point of Mr. Peanut Butter when the show started was he's the anti-Bojack. He is upbeat. He loves everybody. Everything is everywhere he is. That's the greatest place to be. He's just, uh, a, you know, a boundless positivity. Yeah. And as we find out over the course of the last few seasons, especially especially uh, not not season four, because that was the season where he's uh, running for office for most of it. Yeah. But I think season three, where uh, I think that was the right one, where Diane takes off for Cordovia, mm-hmm. and we kind of have to see Mr. Peanut Butter adrift without her. And that's where we kind of see, oh, yeah, he is that that positive person. That's not a put-on. That's who he is. But that's mostly his way of dealing with his negative emotions is just to kind of distract himself with things that delight him. Yeah. I mean, he had a really interesting moment. Was it season three or four where he talks to his brother? I think that might be three. Yeah, it might, that's... Be, it might be four, actually. I They blend together for me yeah. because I just watch them all. It's, I mean, that's a fantastic episode, and in that one you pretty much get him his take of, like, he is like a dog because he is a dog, but, like, they're really personifying the I have to move forward because if I don't move forward, I'm going to die, basically. I'm, I can't stop to think about my mortality. I'm a dog. Dogs don't live that long, even though in this universe it's kind of unclear just like what what animal attributes do follow through and what which ones don't but well presumably age is not one because bojack is in his 50s and i think mr peanut yeah. butter is supposed to be the same if not maybe a little bit younger he's in his 40s i believe they established like his mid 40s in this season yeah bojack has turned 52 i believe in this season 54 cuz he turns 50 in the first season okay 54 yeah, but uh, th- but yeah, this Halloween episode, I was really skeptical when it started because I was like, "Wow, what a really weirdly conventional thing for this show to do," especially after the eulogy episode that we <laughs> that we keep gushing over. Yeah, but we get into the, this Halloween episode, and even with the with the fun construction of okay, we're gonna do ch- time jumps in between. The same Halloween party at Bojack's house in 1993, 2004, 2009, and 2018. Which, first off, this made me realize, my God, Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter were together for 10 years? Yeah. 
did not realize that. And I, that's kind of a, it's unclear to me whether that was a really, that's kind of where I started to lose some of the continuity a little bit. Um, at this point, we're gonna, spoilers are, are all fair game now. We, yeah. We've given our recommendation to it. As dads, don't show it to your children. Oh no, this is not, I mean, I, I started laughing and I told Chris, uh, a couple weeks ago when I was going through the first four seasons in preparation, I found two episodes of Bojack Horseman that you can show to small children. One of which is the underwater episode where there's no dialogue. Yep. Which, that helps. That uh, was, I mean, that's another brilliant episode of the series, a very high standpoint. And actually, one of my coworkers, who, she had been dying to see this season, and she had been telling me, you have to watch the trailer. And I said, oh, I don't want to watch the trailer, because I'm just going to marathon the show. She's like, no, you need to watch the trailer, because I need someone to talk about it now. And as soon as I then started watching the series, I had to text her back and forth, and she's like, oh my gosh, get your, get your backpack, get ready for the fields trip. And... She, He's like, this season's underwater episode is amazing. I didn't know what she meant. I thought they were literally going back underwater. She was talking about the eulogy episode where it's ah, okay. it's a one-premise thing and the joke keeps going and then there's a punchline at the end that's a very good punchline. Although, yeah. again, now spoilers have begun. Your spoil This is your last spoiler warning. Go watch the show. If you haven't seen the season, if you're it's a, okay, it's a solid recommend from us, definitely. Solid recommend. Dad, it's a dad out of ten. Go see it. <laughs> a dad um, out of ten. The punchline to the eulogy episode where he it finally, which is amazing because it is a bottle episode. It's a classic bottle episode, and in animation, this is even more astonishing that they yeah. were able to basically do the entire episode minus uh, a minor beginning sec- uh, section and some, like, background flashback, like, silhouette-type stuff. Most of it was basically three shots of Bojack. Standing up, giving a eulogy at his, spoiler, his mother's funeral. Yeah, Be- yeah. Beatrice Sugarman Horseman it has has passed. She's passed, um, which I think was very, very well done that it just happened. Um, they didn't yeah. dwell on that. We didn't have to go through that. It was very powerful because of that, where he's at a eulogy and you, he's giving a eulogy and you realize, okay, his mother has passed. And when he mentions very quickly his mother's passed. So you're wondering how long into this eulogy does the joke come and the episode begin? And it's, it's, it's interesting that it is basically a half an hour eulogy, almost it's a half a, hour monologue. Yeah. And, and like Will Arnett just nailed this part where he's, he's giving so much raw emotion, so much humor is being thrown into this, but it's still like, it's, it's uncomfortable, but the right amount where it just is kind of like, it's flowing so well. The, I mean, the flow of this was just magnificent. It, it felt very, very organic, and, you know, it, it it's supposed to be a stream-of-consciousness eulogy. Yeah. You know, he's winging it, and it feels like he's winging it. It, it feels, you know, he, he rambles. He circles back and says the same stuff over and over again. It's, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a very bitter, middle-aged man trying in vain to get one last jab or one last half-hour jab at his at his mother, and 
he knows the whole time that it's totally in vain. Yeah, it's he's very raw. He keeps coming back to the phrase where he says that, like, the last time he saw his mother, like, on her deathbed, it sounds like, if I'm understanding it correctly, he was there when she died. Not just that she died, but he was there in the room when she died. Which, which was, that, that was pretty, uh, that was pretty surprising, actually. Yeah, it was, and that was, was interesting is that they decided not to show that wasn't like, which you would assume, oh, that would be a big moment. But the way they're setting this up is he's explaining these after the fact. So we're getting it all through him and his true feelings on it, which is, wow, this is just a shitty day. And his, especially when he's talking about, you know, how the last thing she said to him, like really said to him was, I see you. And how over the course of the monologue, he keeps bringing that up. And first it's a very, interesting thing that's confusing him then it's really touching then it's really down like he's really frustrated with it then it's like he doesn't even know if she was really talking to him if he if she was just reading icu for because she's in the intensive care unit i did see that coming i kind of saw that he he comes to that point where he very quickly goes, oh, my God, we were in the intensive care unit. She wasn't even talking to me. She was just reading a sign over my shoulder. Yeah. That, it, it, that wasn't as bit, as powerful a moment as it could have been, I felt. Well, but. well, because I think that it didn't need to be because the point of that was not to say, oh, she really was saying that. It's that he doesn't even know. He he. There are so many reasons she could have been saying that. He doesn't even know, and that's so frustrating to him that this last moment could be a good moment, but it could also be absolutely nothing, and he can't even get that. And that's kind of the point I felt, exactly. is that is that Bojack can't let that be a beautiful, profound moment between him and his mother at the very end, at the last moment where they can have something between the two of them. Yeah. He could have just chosen to believe that. Mm-hmm. He, he could have just... At very, very least, he could have just decided that that was the story he was going to tell in order to put a positive spin on it for everyone else, at least, yeah. even if he knew that it wasn't the case. But it's Bojack, so he can't do that. He has to find he has to find the turd lining of every cloud <laughs> that he possibly can, because that's, that's part of his psyche. And I thought it was amazing when he's explaining how, you know, my mother died today. And or like when I go, I'm at the, the, the restaurant at getting fast food in line, and like, how was your day? And, and he's like, is you having an awesome day? He's like, no, not a pretty shitty day. My mother died today. And like the girl breaking in tears and giving him a free churro and like him just talking about that was his takeaway was that even this, you know, person who didn't even know him tried to give him kindness, gave him a free churro. And he's like, I didn't even know the day that my mother dies. Like, you didn't know the day your mother dies, you get a free churro. Just like that's, you know, that's kind of a joke. But it's also like it's very, very dark. It's dark yeah. humor. It's dark. It's, I mean, it's real, though. I mean, no one tells you like, hey, no one tells you the day you, your mother dies, you get a, ch- a free churro. And he cycles back to this and how this person gave him kindness, but his own mother couldn't. I mean, it's raw, it's visceral. And then the punchline comes where he finally opens the casket and looks inside and pulls out a note and he looks at the people and it's all like, were they lizards or chameleons or geckos or something? Yeah, something like like that. It's a very quick shot, so you can barely tell. Yeah, it's like, 
was this auditorium B? And it's like, womp, womp. He was, he gave a eulogy at the wrong funeral. Classic Bojack. Classic Bojack, which was, I mean, doesn't diminish from it at all. It's, it was a good punchline. I thought the punchline was a little weak there. Um, mostly cause like comparing it to the underwater episode where he's completely underwater and he can't, the whole problem is he can't talk to this guy because he's underwater and he's in this helmet and then he can't vocalize for some reason. He can't, he, he, there's no speech through the water. He can't, can't hear the guy and he's trying to tell the guy, Hey, I have your son or I have your baby and come back and he's chasing after him. It's just a series of hilarious pratfalls and, and, and foibles and such until finally at the end he gets the kid back and it's all, you know, like silently done the whole thing, this great silent humor. And then someone, points at this like knob or like or a little button on his little helmet. It's like, hey, you press here to talk. He's like, oh, dang it. It's like, that's the punchline is that he could, if he knew that, that would have been, you know, and that hits hardest here. I was expecting it's like, okay, he's either like practicing or he's at, he's going to be at the wrong place or something is going to be amiss. Like I wasn't, I was expecting, and that was kind of unfortunate that I was expecting some sort of twist to this episode. Um, otherwise... Well, we know this show. That's, I think, what it is. You, yeah. just, you know this show, and you know that they're not gonna, you're not going to get away from something as somber as the eulogy without a little stinger joke at the end. Yeah, and it was... Um, it, I, 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 you know, again, I knew the episode was going to have some sort of stinger joke, and that part of me was actually really pleased when the joke did happen. Where I was like, okay, I feel validated that I was expecting this and I got that. And it was a good little guffaw for me. Like, ha, you got me. Like, ah, you did, you did a funny. And that, you know, that was all great. That's, that was my favorite episode this season. Um, I actually also really loved the, um, the episode with the therapist and the um, arbitration. Yeah. Which the episode was, I think, called Bobo the Angsty Zebra. And I love that this show keeps continuity in the... It pays such attention to detail in the opening credits alone, where any detail that's been added to the show is added to the opening credits. And every season, the credits will continually evolve as the show evolves. So the first season, you see, you know, it's always the same sequence where Bojack wakes up and he's drifting through his apartment and he's drifting through a party and drifting through work and, like, through this, like, a set thing. And then he's out and he's in the pool and he falls over the back of the the railing and all that, and he wakes up and he's in the pool, and, and there's a shot up for Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter watching him, and oh, now he's you know lounging in the pool. And this time, like you know, in the first season, once they removed the D in the Hollywood sign and the constant, like the continual joke of the Hollywood, and I love that oh, yeah. that, they, that they've kept that joke so solid, and it stills funny to me that like in the intro, the D is gone, so it's now the Hollywood sign. And in this season, you know, once Diane has changed her hair um, in the first episode, that stays consistent throughout, you know, mm-hmm. the as well. Diane has new hair and the people in Bojack's life will change. And once Todd becomes the VP of advertising at what time is it now dot com, which 
another wonderful gag for this whole season where I, I love that they have things that are just so preposterously stupid, but everyone treats seriously. And they did that with, um, it's like, what, what was it like? Just what do celebrity knows? Do they know things? Let's find out. Like that yeah. on the show. That was the name of the show or something like that. So this one, the what time is it now dot com, where it's a website slash app on your phone where you're like, what you click it, what time is it now? And it slowly thinks and then gives you the time it is right now, which of course the best joke is that as you're looking at your phone, waiting for what time is it now dot com to tell you, you can see the time at the top of your phone. That that got me so good every time yeah. they made those time well, jokes. I I do love that, and I love the 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 you know the the next part of the joke is the fact that such a such a ridiculously superfluous website that shouldn't exist. Not only does it exist, but now they're getting their own streaming content. Yeah, they're because doing everybody so well. needs streaming content. Everyone needs streaming content, so they're making a joke that like this. What time is it now? dot com has their own streaming platform, and that's where BoJack's new show is living. And Todd has become the VP. And I love that the intro, though, again keeps changing. And so there's an episode where it's framed weirdly, and they do the lampshade where it's a like, is it a was it a friend, two friends, or was it like a mother and daughter? I I think I might have missed that little detail. Of what? The 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 arbitrator and the um. Uh, the therapist. I forget if they were mother and daughter or if they were. Oh no, no, they're married. Oh, they were married. Okay. Yeah, they're a married couple. Okay, I missed that part. I knew they were connected very close. So, um, this married couple, they're talking in, in the, the restaurant, Bojack's restaurant, and they're talking about how they each had clients, but they can't tell them directly what the clients are because of client, patient, and, uh, you know, or client, doctor, uh, confidentiality, all that. So I love that the woman's like, so she's going to talk about Bojack, but she can't say Bojack. She's like, so let's call him Bobo the Angsty Zebra. And I, as soon as I'm like, I'm like, oh, please do it. As soon as they smash to the intro and I'm like waiting for the moment and it zooms in and there he is. Bojack is now a zebra. And I'm like, I just yelled, yes. Yeah, I, so, I did. So I did do a little dance. That was that, that's such a good gag. Such a such a. You know, it's right there. Don't leave it on the table. Use that yeah. gag. And yeah. I figured they were going to push it as far as they could because that's that's what this show does. I mean, the absolutely. I, mean, I, I knew it was that kind of show a couple seasons ago when they introduced the concept of his second show, the the BoJack Horseman show. Yeah, that, that bombed really bad. And at the end of that episode, the theme, the ending theme, is changed to. Back in 07, I was in a not-so-famous TV show. Yeah. I, I, I love it when they change up the, the regular stuff like that. And they do it really, really well. And sometimes they know that it's a somber episode, and so at the end they don't play the usual theme. They might play really downplayed or no music at all. Yeah. And, I mean, as soon as they see the intro with Bobo, the angsty zebra, especially when it gets to the title card, and it doesn't say Bojack or it says Bobo the Angsty Zebra. I just was, at that point, I lost it. And I was like, this is, I was so ready. And the fact that in that episode, Diane is is Princess Diana, and it's like, this is absurd. And Mr. Peanut Butter was like, what? Oh, and Mr. Hazelnut spread. 
Yes, Mr. Chocolate Hazelnut Spread. Chocolate Hazelnut Spread. Todd was a giant hand, which I didn't quite understand that, but... Uh, uh, Flip, the the creator of BoJack's new show, Filbert, became Flippy, a dolphin. A dolphin. Princess Carolyn was just, uh, oh, she was like, what, a tangle of just... A tangle of... A, it was like a tangle of, of feelings personified as a, a shape shape of a woman... I it was it was a big phrase that they used precisely yeah. the same language every time. And they and they even made the joke of like this is actually really difficult for me to follow. I'm like, well, that's as accurate as I can be. And she's like a yarn craft person, like ghost type character. Basically, she's she's a, she's an ether. Yeah, and they keep this going throughout most of the episode until finally they break down. I mean, and I love the lampshade halfway through the like. Like, should I finish? T- I'm sorry to interrupt you. Like, I feel like it's best if I tell some, you tell some. That way, like, because my, my story feels more like a piece, like, like a B plot. You know, like, this really works well. We'll go back and forth. Like, that seems the most natural way to have a conversation, doesn't it? Well, and I, I love that, and I think I mentioned this before we started recording. I loved that because this season feels so much like the season that's finally saying, hey, look, this is the, the, the dramatic parts of this show are what we're really interested in making and the comedy yeah. stuff is still there to lighten the mood and that's kind of what Todd is for but we're going to keep that kind of shoved off to the side so that it can pop up and lighten the mood every now and again but the comedy is very much in the back seat and the drama is kind of up front anymore and and that's fine because yeah that's kind of what people like about this show it's I'm actually I'm really impressed that they are consistently staying on track like commentating on current big like social issues but they touch on them in such a unique way that it feels like a new perspective it doesn't feel like south park's like trying to take the less traveled path i i was thinking the exact same thing when i was watching the uh uh which one is it bojack the feminist bojack the feminist and it's how do you talk about, you know, the Me Too movement? How do you make uh, a Hollywood version of the post-Me Too movement? Yeah. First off, you introduce Vance Wagner, mm-hmm. a character who seems to embody all of the worst parts of show business from the real world into yeah. one character. And part of me is like, is this Mel Gibson? Because it's clearly like most of it's Mel Gibson. In this a case. lot, a lot of it is Mel Gibson. Uh, some of it is Johnny Depp. Yeah. Because I, one one joke that oh it, it was it's funny but it's also really sad was I think it was Princess Carolyn saying oh yeah his career is over for three years or so and then he'll be back. Yeah. And I'm like yep that's how it works. And he it was really interesting to see this character. That whole episode, really, because, I mean, that was a good moment for the Me Too movement, or, like, to, to commentate on it, and how it's this just really weird, messed up kind of moment where Bojack is trying not to make things worse, but he inadvertently becomes this feminist icon by literally just saying, like, what was it, like, you shouldn't you shouldn't beat women or something, or just... You, you shouldn't choke your wife. Choking your wife is objectively bad, and yeah. it's, it's this don't, great don't thing of... Wife. Well, I mean, it's this great double double uh, plot, which, you know, on one hand of it, 
it's so on brand for Bojack to take the undue praise for simply saying choking women is bad yeah. and believe he's some kind of woke hero. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so on brand for him to decide I'm a hero because everybody likes me because I said that. But also it's so sad that that's all that it takes for him to become a feminist icon is to say the absolute bare minimum thing of, by the way, choking women is bad. Yeah. And, yeah. and then not, not applauding for Vance Wagner, which I believe that's a direct uh, correlation to Brie Larson not applauding for Casey Affleck at the Oscars. Oof. Which, yeah. I mean, in, in this case, it was totally... It was totally on accident because Bojack was, like, wrinkling his nose at bad cheese or something. Yeah, and there was like, oh, what is this statement that he's making? Bojack is such a, he's making such a powerful statement here. And it's like, it, this is really interesting. And I, that, that one and the other big one for me, which Todd's side plot throughout the latter half of the season where he becomes the VP of advertising, um, which I thought was actually a really funny uh, throwaway joke where it's, like they splice into one of the episodes where he literally doesn't advertise to mention that no one told me that as VP of advertising I needed to sell ads for this thing. So I, if anyone wants to buy ads, let for the, the negotiations show, begin. Yeah. Um, I love that not only has he just become a VP just by chance, he just like walked in trying to get a janitor position, I believe, and they make him VP of, of advertising. And he goes with it. He just just goes with it. Um, when he's trying to talk to one of his best friends, who previous girlfriend from childhood, him being asexual, he knows like what she would like is a more sexual relationship. So he, being Todd, creates a sex robot, but it's the most awful, stupid sex robot because it's just an amalgamation of... Things he found in the kitchen, along with, like, you know, dildos. 30 dildos, and then he recorded a whole lot of, like, stupid, stupid phrase, like, sex phrases into a microphone. No, like, speak and spell. And so the thing just spews these obvious phrases, and what's great is that somehow, I forget why he brought it to work, but he brings it to work even though he meant to throw it away. Basically, like, and, and this is kind of where the, I guess I guess we'll call it a, a sex robot character. Um, yeah. And it, it even has a name. It, it, I believe the sex robot's name is Henry Fondle. Something like that. It's, like, obviously, like, a joke... And the robot comes to work with him. The same way the robot does everything that it does in the last, like, five episodes of the season is it just says all of its stupid, uh, stupid come-on phrases. Yeah. And everybody just takes it as, wow, you're really assertive. I guess I'll have to do what you say. And it just, he keeps saying these things in boardrooms, and finally he somehow, by chance... It's like he, he like weasels his way up to the top floor on accident, like gets on the elevator and somehow goes to the top floor, walks into or rolls into the CEO's office of what time, what time is it now dot com, um, and somehow has a conversation with the owner of the company and the owner decides to retire and make him the new CEO. So the sex robot becomes the CEO of the company and everybody is fine with it until uh, one female employee goes up to see him, 
and he starts saying his usual phrases and she like she's finding excuses like every phrase even though it's obviously a sexual phrase was um she's like just playing along with it like oh yes like i understand like this is so great you are like basically somehow you're they're hearing it and it's not sexual and that's the gag is that he's saying obviously sexual things but everyone is taking it as like really deep advice and really powerful motivations and all these things but then his battery runs low and he says low battery low power and she takes that as a massive offense that low power please plug me in and suddenly she realizes that he's saying things that are not okay and she tells on him and like brings us to attention and like he the sex robot is found out as like oh he's a misogynist and a and a sexual predator and all these things and suddenly the whole company is taken down in this magnificent like cacophony of nonsense that only this show can really play out and i mean which is typified when they're having the you know the big news cycle and oh this this big ceo is found out to be you know awful and what does this mean and who can defend him and people like i just realized that he's things he said may not have really been that and then other people like well where does the where does it end like I think the greatest part is the 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 ultimate punchline is they're doing like talking head interviews with all of yeah. the employees and it gets to Todd and he's like he shouldn't be a CEO of anything he's a sex robot yeah. and they're like you mean figuratively no <laughs> no just like, like just just an earnest Todd no and that I love thing. I love Aaron Paul so much as Todd. It's he's, I, oh he's so good in that role. And he is even though I th- I feel like maybe the sh- the folks running the show are running out of ideas for what to do with Todd. I don't it's know. It's fun to watch them try. I mean the gag with the arbitration episode where he's adamant that Princess Carolyn stole his like ate the last of his his cheese his mozzarella cheese stick. And See, I I figured with him still living in her apartment, and I think they even mentioned in that episode that, oh, this is probably the most functional relationship in both of your lives. I'm sitting there going, he's going to end up having an asexual relationship with Princess Carolyn it and could probably be. end up helping her raise a baby. Yeah, it could be, and that would be really sweet. Um, but the end of that whole exchange with the sex robot and the commentary they make, which is just so sharp and, and, I mean, they're making the, the same joke. I mean, it's clearly poking fun at the, at, the, you know, the, basically like Louis C.K. and Harvey like, Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein, especially. Um, a lot of, you know, it's, it's, this is commenting, as you said, on the Me Too movement, but this is even stronger, sharper. Like, this is, this is clearly, the, you know, one-to-one, this is this kind of stuff that happens in our world, and how are they dealing with it here? And to see <laughs> that, like, this, the harshest part is when the woman is talking who's taken over for the company, and she's like, we are getting back to our roots as a website that tells you what time it is. We're dropping the streaming service. We really want to get back to our roots of this because we feel that this uh, we, you know, we will, we want to get away from what we, you know, the CEO was trying to do and make this a place that's truly a great place for women. Also, we're firing 200 women as part of the downsizing because most people are losing their jobs. And it was just this like, oh my gosh, like they're, 
it's sharp because it's harsh. And it's like and, and it's realistic. I it's mean, realistic. that's it's, maddeningly realistic. It's messy, and I mean that kind of works into one of the last parts, the last episode, where I mean the the episodes in the, where the show, like the season, really got hard for me was when Bojack gets addicted to painkillers, which I thought was a little trite. Well, uh, I, it it is it in makes general, sense. but. I, I love the organic nature and how it happens because yeah. it largely happens because of the episode that we don't we don't see anything that happens on set of Filbert because it's the Princess Carolyn episode in uh, North Carolina I think it yeah. was mm-hmm. so because she's gone all we hear is what's on the other end of her phone of okay and and it's such a huge elaborate thing that. Only she can be there to put out everyone else's fires, and because she's not there, that's why everything else happens in the season. Yeah. She's not she's not there, so therefore Diane starts messing with Flip's scripts mm-hmm. and turns it into a big action sequence. Mr. Peanut Butter, who's been cast as Bojack's creepy possible <laughs> ghost partner. Because this show is a mess, which I love that. I, yeah. I, I just want to deviate for a second and talk about Filbert and Flip. <laughs> because Flip is a great new addition to the show. He showed up for a little bit in season four, but this show, th- this season really highlights, it, it's such a, it's such a fantastic joke in my opinion, because Flip is simultaneously a takedown of these pretentious TV auteurs like David Chase or, you know, like these, these guys like Matthew, Matthew Weiner of Mad Men or, mm-hmm. you know, th- these guys who are like, I have a master plan for what this show is about and everything is a metaphor and everything is so much deeper than it appears to be. But really it's just like, no, you're just putting a lot of boobs and violence on the show and, because you do a, a trippy dream sequence, and we're not sure if this character is dead or not. You think that it's deep, but it's not really. And the best part is that he's also totally pretending to be that crazy, pretentious auteur, and he's really just an insecure kid who doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. It's. I thought that was a really funny idea of a character, and I I love the fact that because Diane starts essentially writing the show for him, and that stunt gets put in, Mr. Peanut Butter does his own stunts, so Bojack wants to do his own stunts because that's Bojack. He can't let anybody show him up. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he gets hurt. Therefore, he gets addicted to painkillers. It is such an organic way of getting to the last couple of episodes that actually deal with what the season ultimately becomes about, which is Bojack... And his various addictions to just kind of distract himself from his actual pain, which is yeah. ultimately what addiction is for him and a lot of other people. And it was hard to watch him sink into that, especially the second to the penultimate episode of the season, where he's really, really high all the time. And it's and, getting. Yeah, it's, it's starting to blend together mm-hmm. the realities. Like, he can't tell if he's in his real life or if he's on set shooting the show. Yeah, because the not part helped by his 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 house and the set that's supposed to be Filbert's house look exactly the same. 
Yeah. And he's and constantly wearing his costume, even at home. Yeah, and so this episode, he keeps flashing back and forth, and, and as the audience, we're trying to, we're trying to follow along. Like, we're, we're basically running after him, trying to catch up and be like, where are you right now? And he doesn't know. We don't know. So we're it's, just running to It's kind of it. a follow-up to last season's uh, uh, Time's Arrow, I think is the name of the episode, and it's Beatrice's episode. Yeah. Where she's flashing in between her childhood, middle, middle age with, you know, a, a marriage and a child that she doesn't want, and then present day when she's, you know, you know, She's got dementia. She's not sure where she is, and that's that's the the explanation for why she's been calling Bojack Henrietta the whole season. Yeah, and, and there's even a callback to that when he calls uh, Gina Gina instead of her character name while they're shooting the show. Yeah, and he he's falling into this, and it's getting more and more intense and harder to follow. And then he like it ends with the episode where he is so out of his mind that he's not paying attention and he's choking Gina in the scene. Because it is just a scene. Then he doesn't stop. And he almost kills her. And then it gets really uncomfortable really fast. Because then the last episode of the season is that he didn't really know he was doing it until they finally show him and he realizes, oh my gosh, that's what I... I, I really was hurting her. And they're like, yeah, you really were. Uh, I, I, speaking of characters that I think are great additions, I was really excited for Gina as soon as soon as the character showed up. I really took a liking to her. It might just be that I really love uh, uh, Stephanie Beatrice, mm-hmm. who who is also uh, folks might know her as Rosa on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm. She's great on that show as well. But she's Gina shows up on this show and is suspiciously a great foil for BoJack. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like their relationship is very honest and very casual, but there's there's definitely affection there. It's it's this great working thing in his life, and naturally, it's the thing that he destroys the hardest, which is yeah. saying something. And it was that was hard to see that happen because, especially when. You see, he sees what happens. He's finally clear of head and clear of mind and sees what he did and immediately recognizes, I, I need to pay for that. And when he has to, they, the show is trying to like sweep under the PR away. They're going to do an interview and they're going to explain like the line is that you're supposed to say, Oh, we're actors. We were acting. It was, we're just so in the moment that it's hard to tell because we're both such good actors. And, you see them like when Bojack doesn't want to, he's like, I'm going to come clean. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell people what happened for real. And Gina shuts him down and is like, you can't. My career is finally taking off. I'm becoming someone. I, my dream is happening. And if you do this, I will always be known as the person that you strangled, and I will always just be the person in your story. My career is officially done. I'm just part of your life now. It's the, the very last nail in the coffin of of the the Me Too commentary throughout the whole season is this idea of when a, when a woman is assaulted, there's this weird you know, societal urge to always attach her to 
that story and that story alone. Once yeah. once you're the woman who was assaulted, that's who you're identified as forever, especially when it's celebrities. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, God, that's I mean, not to get too political on this this review show of a, a cartoon, but mm-hmm. you know, we're currently here in America going through a Supreme Court nomination <sighs> that it looks a whole lot like a Supreme Court nomination that we had, what, like 27 years ago? Mm-hmm. Very, very similar narrative going on, and sure enough, people are writing them this week about, what does Anita Hill think of this whole thing? Yeah. Because Anita Hill will forever be known as the woman who was sexually harassed by, you know, Clarence Thomas. I, mm-hmm. it, it's... It's a horrible, horrible realization for someone, you know, something, someone say like Bojack, who it's hard enough for him to get out of the narrative that he is the hero of the story at all times. Yeah. You know, you have to see things from someone else's point of view. If you, if you dig deep enough into this just so that your conscience will be cleared, which, by the way, it won't be. Mm hmm. It, it ruins, you know, in this case, the character Gina's chance of ever being anything other than the woman who Bojack strangled. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really rough. This is, this is a cartoon with a lot of really rough stuff. And it's, and it's well written and it's not, and hopefully this is not misunderstood as me going, oh, it's so good to hear, like, yeah, that's what it's like. Me too. Maybe maybe they should take a stop. It's like no, no, no. It's it's really well written in that it is messy, and it is hard to swallow, and it is clearly saying no. These things don't just resolve; they ruin everyone. Everyone is hurt. Yes, the victims are hurt. Yes, the perpetrators are hurt. Everyone. It ruins everyone, and there is no way you can fix it. Basically, like it ruins all and it's a great scene a couple episodes back where bojack is at the premiere party and diane finally confronts him and this is one other part of this the season that i'm kind of frustrated with they have danced around the thing that happened in new mexico from season three i believe it was three yeah where he i think mildly kissed I'm saying mildly. He, where he kissed a 17 year old, um, the daughter of his, you know, old fling. And and she came aboard his boat looking to sleep with him and nothing happened because, because they were interrupted. Yeah. And Bojack, you know, he's devastated. He's wrecked by this because he's like, I know myself. I don't know what would have happened, but I'm pretty certain what would have happened. And it's hard to swallow. And so we're in season five, and I'm feeling like we're finally getting close to opening this up. Let's talk about this. Let's resolve this part. But the show isn't about resolving the hard things. The show is about kind of reminding us, sometimes you cannot resolve these things. And as an audience, we're kind of going through on some subtle level, this is what they're doing as well. And it's just, it's kind of interesting that that seems to be the re- another reoccurring theme in this season is us as the audience have to realize that everything is not just gonna work out. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane are not gonna get back together. Um, 
Which not... I'm, I'm glad that that was the case. I, I was really hoping that that wasn't going to be as neat and tidy as it was being. Like, it was a real rope-a-dope where the show was like, oh, yeah, this is how the two of them end up back together. And then we get to that point, and it's like, no, no, I don't want to get back together with you. There's a reason why this didn't work out the first time. And I'm like, thank God, because I'm a child of divorce, so I I see a divorce on a TV show. I'm like that. I I hope the divorce sticks because in real life, divorces stick. Yeah. Marriage marriages might not, but divorces do. That's divorce is really forever. Yeah. And uh, the another one was Princess Carolyn and Stilton. Ralph. Ralph Stilton. Yeah. yeah. The mouse from the from season four. Who was that one? Friend? That one is a real shame because I do actually really like Ralph. That's yeah. a that's a character where it's like he's such a good dude. And I was really rooting for them to to get back together. It was, they were so close this season in one episode, and it it didn't happen. But it was a very, I mean, it was a good episode. And it was it, again, it's like, no, audience, you're not going to just get the resolution that you feel you deserve. And BoJack, when they, he has the final confrontation with Diane, and she's like, what? happened in New Mexico and Bojack's skirting around and he's finally brings it up. He's like, this is what happened. Like basically almost asking for, you know, penitence for this and like explain to me, like, well, tell me. And she's like, I'm not going to tell you that this is okay. This is, you're never going to just be fine with this. You can't be, you did it. You live with it. And I think that's that's the central thesis of, of this uh, season, eventually, is the idea of... And, and I think the trailer focused on the line that I, I think it was it was pretty early in the show when Todd finally got fed up with Bojack and yelled at him, you think that you want to be a better person, but you never actually do anything to change. You just think that you can apologize or... Or, you know, buy somebody something to make it better. But what you need to be a better person is just to actually try and do better. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's Bojack's chief character flaw above, you know, the addiction and the narcissism and the, the crippling need for attention. His chief flaw is that he thinks he can be an unrepentant asshole Mm-hmm. And that he can make everything better as long as he feels bad about it later. But yeah. the feeling bad is not the important part. The important part is not doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's something that he's never been able to grasp. And the idea by the end of this season, when he finally gets to go to rehab, and I believe his last line is he's rehearsing what he's going to say when he walks in. And what he's going to say is, I'm Bojack Horseman. Obviously, you know who I am, because he has to say that whenever he introduces himself. Yeah. But the final thing he finally needs to say is, I need help. Mm -hmm. And that's all he's needed to be able to admit to himself in order to stop just feeling bad about being bad and just finally try to do better is you you need to find help. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, we're, we're way over, over our usual time, or what was supposed to be our usual time for Drad. We are, but we got to the finale, we got to the, the rehab, and uh, to me, it felt like an inevitable, I mean, I'm seeing flashbacks to seeing House, MD, which I love that series, but eventually, like, he goes to rehab, and it's kind of like, okay, 
Next season is going to be the rehab season. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with that, but it kind of ended on, I mean, it ended in a very strange place. Yet again, we're on the down note. We, he's in rehab, which is a positive, and he's reached a point in his life where he realizes he needs that, which is growth, but everyone else around him is hurting. There's a lot of uns, like unresolved plot threads, but it's also becoming more clear that sometimes they might not resolve the plot thread. Man, that might be the point, is that characters won't get together. Uh, well, and, find and, that's, and that's the idea behind recovery, is that there's never a point where you're done being in recovery. That's, you know, to use to use a whole lot of AA language at everybody all at once. Sorry if if this... If the if this jargon grates on you, because it kind of grates on me, uh, <laughs> AA language, just because it has a real kind of artificiality to it for me. But the whole point of of being in recovery is that once you go into recovery, you're in recovery for the rest of your life. That's what that yeah. phrase means. It doesn't mean eventually you recover and that's the end. You are you are never cured. You're constantly in recovery. It's a constant battle. Yeah. It's an ongoing process. And I think that's why this show ends on that uncertain note where, you know, to go back to the eulogy episode, a phrase that he kept repeating in that is, my mother is dead now and everything is worse. Mm-hmm. Bojack is going to rehab, finally, but everything is kind of worse. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why he finally ends up going, is everything around him is worse. Yeah. But and Diane has a great final little speech or monologue or whatever, little story to tell about her and a, her best friend in school, and who they were so close, and then the friend was awful to her. But then when she needed her most, Diane was there. It's like, why? She was awful to you. She's like, but she was my best friend. And now... Here I am with you, and you're awful to me, and I hate you, but you're my best friend, and you need me. It's like, this is a very interesting dynamic to them, and I'm I'm very curious to see what season six will do. I have to assume that season six will happen. I mean, why wouldn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Netflix is uh, keeping this show around as long as they can. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what the numbers are, because Netflix never tells anybody what their numbers are. But I mean, it has to be doing well enough. Bojack is, I mean, it's, it's caught on. People know it's, it's one of their stronger shows. And um, it was one of their, I think this might have been their first animated show. I'm pretty certain it was, or at least, cause, and the weird thing was I didn't have any interest in it before season three, cause I, cause I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a throwaway terrible show because I had not watched it and I saw nothing about it until Season three, finally, I think it was our buddy Dan. It's like, no, actually, it's really good. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I gave it a watch. I was like, oh, this is yeah. amazing. Me too. And Pretty much the same thing. Last little note, Netflix recently added the ability to have personalized icons for your Netflix profiles. And they have a lot of options from their biggest shows, but they don't have any from BoJack Horseman, and that bothers me. Especially when they're wasting space now with House of Cards. Although it is funny that Kevin Spacey is not one of the options for House of Cards. You have the Upside Down Flag and Robin Wright, and that's it. Did you did you see the teaser for the new season of that? Not to get no. too off the topic. 
it's it's pretty flippin'. It's pretty middle finger to Kevin Spacey. I mean, good on them, I guess. But I want them to add more icons, and I want a BoJack icon. Right now, I'm I'm rocking uh, is it Dustin from uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, oh yeah. That's, 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 that's the that's the kid, right? With yeah, the, yeah. That's here, yeah. That, that's everybody's everybody's good good you know good good boy with with the big old hair. Yeah. Like, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go with that. My sister has Count Olaf, which I thought was funny. Oh, yeah, right on. And uh, can, can I do one little thing that I took some random notes, which I, I always take random notes whenever I review TV uh, for the site. Yes, please. I noticed a couple of things. First off, I think it was last year that the uh, saxophone player who played the BoJack theme song passed away. Oh, and I, I, I might be getting this wrong, but there was a tiny in memoriam for him that it plays on Bojack's TV in the background during the opening themes this season. Yes, and I had not caught that. Yeah, I, I managed to see it just for a split second. I was like, that's cool. That's a, it's a very Simpsons, you know, kind of background gag thing to have something on his TV, but. To make it the in-memoriam for that guy, that's very cool. I liked that. I had, for some reason, thought that was an in-memoriam for, like, Herb. Oh, really? Yeah, like, I had, I kept catching it out of this, you know, corner of the scene, and I didn't really, I couldn't focus on this. I didn't realize that's, that is really good. That's really interesting. Well, maybe, maybe I, I mean, it was so blinking you miss it, and I was watching <laughs> on my phone, so <laughs> if I'm getting that wrong, we'll cut this part out. Now we're a real podcast because we just said we'd cut something out that we're definitely not going to. No, we we keep everything. Um, another another detail that I really loved. Uh, at some point, they cut away to a bar, and the bartender is a Saint Bernard with the brandy barrel under his chin, <laughs> and he does in fact pour a drink from the barrel under his chin. I thought that was cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the the Bojack the Feminist episode, he has a line that's. It's, it's the laugh line by the end of the, the scene where he says, should I get a t-shirt that says feminism is bay on it? Because people love that shit. <laughs> when he's doing the interview, the next time we see him, he is in fact wearing a t-shirt that says feminism is bay, but it is not B-A-E, it is B-A-Y. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one thing that I love of this show is the spelling jokes as sight gags. Oh, the one that I love is that every time Mr. Peanut Butter especially, or no, it's like, I don't know if it's just Mr. Peanut Butter, Anytime someone goes to the sign store. Every time they get a banner for a party. Yeah, they always they, are very specific, and the banners get more and more elaborate with them trying to be specific, but the people still put everything on the banner anyway. I love that. Yeah, so it, it's, it says, from Mr. Peanut Butter, peanut butter is all one word. Yeah. yeah. That's all on the banner. <laughs> And uh, one of one of my one of my favorite uh, very very blink and you miss it jokes that I'm sure no one else would would get as fast as we would because it's kind of a Portland specific joke. Uh, Bojack at some point goes to a bookstore and he's carrying uh, you know paper ba- paper like mall bag full of books, and it says Owls Books. I did see that, which is cute for if those of you, which is pretty much everybody probably doesn't know. Uh, here in Portland, we have one of the largest bookstores, I think, in the world? I don't know. I mean, it's a tourist spot in Portland is the Powell's uh, World of Books. 
It's it's a square. It's it's sorry, a city, square city, city block. Pal's city of books, but it's you know it's Pal's. It's city block of it's a city block bookstore. It's a huge bookstore that you can get lost in. And yeah. It is a massive hub for Portland where everyone, every time someone's like, I'm going to Portland, like, oh, you go to Pal's. Yeah, it's it's one of the things you do here, and so I loved that. That was a fun shout out to to Portland. That was cute. Anytime there's a shout out to something that's very specific to my tastes, I always like, oh, thank you. I think it was <laughs> might have been season three or four when somebody holds up a newspaper clipping of a movie review, and the movie reviewer is Nathan Raven rather than Nathan Rabin, who is a, a guy that I'm a big fan of. Uh, going back to the AV Club and the Dissolve. Um, who, who? Oh, what was the one? It was this season had Stingray. Oh, uh, oh yeah, Sting, yeah. Oh, Stingray Sting, Liotta. Stingray Liotta. That's a that's a good one. That was a good one. Um, one thing, one joke that I loved so much was Todd's uh, convoluted explanation for how he decided to get up and get a job. So he thought he'd look in a newspaper. But he didn't know where to get a newspaper, so he searched for it on his phone, and his phone gave him a map of where you could find newspapers. So then he started looking further on the map, and he started looking at South Africa. <laughs> and that got him thinking of Charlize Theron, because she's from South Africa. That got him thinking about the movie Monster, and he couldn't remember what year the movie Monster came out. So he went to Monster.com. <laughs> And somehow didn't find any job listings, and it just goes on and on and on. And the longer that that joke went, the better it got. I loved that. That was a good joke. Um, one of my favorite jokes, which was stupid, was the one where he and his girlfriend, like he's meeting his girlfriend's parents for the first time, and the the characters keep saying, like, meet me at midnight when the cock crows. And... I love they kept saying that, and then you randomly go outside, and you see this rooster run down the street and just go, It's midnight! I'm the cock! And then just, like, that's the joke. And I busted up laughing. That was pretty good. And, in fact, like, the next night, I made sure at exactly, exactly midnight, I texted that phrase to my friend, my coworker, who's like, you need to watch this show so I have someone to talk to. So I texted her exactly midnight with that. It's like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get you with that. That's. I felt, I felt very proud of that. Uh, one, one thing that I noticed was very early in the season, uh, Mr. Peanut Butter picks up Diane at the airport after her Vietnam trip. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's holding a sign for her that says Blarn, which, if you remember the er the flashbacks to when they first met, she's wearing a name tag that says Blarn while working as a barista, and he calls her <laughs> Blarn. So that's a real deep, like, that's such a relationship deep cut that it, it that's such a genuine thing that they didn't even have to put in there, but they did. Yeah. It reminded me instantly of... Uh, my wife and I are big How I Met Your Mother uh, rewatch folks. Like, that's on in the background for most of our relationship. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a bit where uh, Marshall and Lily, whenever one of them goes out of town, the other always meets them at the airport with a sign with their little cute relationship nicknames, which are Marshmallow and Lilypad. Mm -hmm. So it felt like that, but it was also, oh, they're already, like, separated and kind of divorced at this point. Mm -hmm. Man, Mr. Peanut Butter is a glutton for punishment. 
poor guy. He's just he's a poor poor dog. Poor dog. But uh, one of my favorite. Uh, speaking of, uh, well, we were speaking of it. Uh, the silent underwater episode finally having at the end of the episode Bojack saying, "Oh, you got to be kidding me with the speaker thing." Diane gets her own version of that with her Vietnam episode where she goes onto the movie set in Vietnam with the grip who's mm-hmm. treating her as if she does not speak English and she's from Vietnam mm-hmm. and she plays along because Diane talks a big game but is actually kind of a manipulative horrible person at times. Mm-hmm. And my the first line of the season that actually like had me I had to pause it so that I could stop giggling was you know, this guy is talking it up. Oh, I bet you've never been on a real movie set before. This is real exciting for you to be at my job. <laughs> and then a light falls, and Diane screams, Holy shit, a falling Cleve light. <laughs> and the part that made me laugh was not that she says holy shit or that she gives up the fact that she speaks English, but it's the fact that she says Cleve light, thus betraying the fact that she definitely has been on a movie set before. Yeah. Like, that one line betrays, okay, she speaks English, and she's been on a movie set before. She knows what kind of light that was. Mm-hmm. I love so. that, like, she dresses the guy down, like, I know what a grip does. You're a best boy at best. I also really loved how she, she, just the big takedown line for me was, I hope you've enjoyed your Miss Saigon fantasy, but I'm out. I'm like, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's kind of what that was, yep. Uh, he, that that was a complicated episode for me because that was also a, uh unconventional time jump episode that you have to pay really close attention to in order to follow. Oh, yeah. And it's, man, Diane episodes can be really rough, too. They can be. But, man, we have talked a blue streak on this. We have, and that should tell you we loved this season. We love this show. It's got so much depth to mine. We probably haven't even mined every bit of this because, I mean, how can we have? It's only, it's not even been a full week. It dropped on Friday. This is, we're recording this on a Monday. Yeah. Like, look at us being timely, everybody. Go watch it if you haven't, and if you have, hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at the Chris Pranger, and you can find me at Kyle Martinak, and you can find everything that comes off of this podcast, the other podcast, and everything else at the site uh, is posted on Twitter at uh, media underscore sandwich. Yeah, and you can find everything directly at the site, which is uh, media dash sandwich dot blogspot dot com, which might be finally getting its own URL at some point within the next few weeks. Oh, cool. Uh, Yeah, but... uh, For future Dret episodes, um, we are discussing the possibility of doing Deadpool 2. Which I still haven't seen yet, and have you? Yes, I saw it. Um, Okay, I definitely like to talk about it with you. Um, You still have not seen either John Wick movies, and I know those are older for everyone, but, I mean, who doesn't want to talk about John Wick? Oh, yeah, yeah. I I still haven't seen them just because I, I, you know, I've got little kids, and Mm -hmm. 
and I there are only so many hours in the day, but I'm excited yeah. to watch those because I've heard nothing but good stuff. Yeah, so those are two possibilities. Uh, we still have uh, Lamplight City is a game that I got a review copy of. I haven't played it yet. I've been very busy. Um, we might do that. So something's coming up. That's all I say. Something's coming up. Hooray! Another podcast. All right, everyone take care, and we will see you next time. Have a good one.